I'm going to do the best I can to discuss this, and I'm going to fail at it. But, you know, it's my job, so I'm <laughs> I just wanted to be up front. This is going to be a failed rumination. Okay, you can you can leave now. All right. Whew. Now that everyone's gone, I'm just talking to an empty room at this point, aren't I? What would I say to an empty room about this game? Hey, empty room. What? Okay, for real. If 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 someone actually said what right there, that would actually flip me out just a little bit. No. This game has a couple of good things. Several of its characters, the Coterie members that you recruit, are actually kind of awesome. Hope is probably my overall favorite, and uh, Agathon would probably be number two. The others are fine. You know, there's some interesting stuff there. Obviously, you can only see effectively two of their stories per playthrough. You're intended to do multiple playthroughs, so that makes a degree of sense. I'm with it. Cool, cool. Now, um, you can see the bones of a good game under this. Like, the bones of some good ideas here, and some good concepts, and things that lend themselves towards something that you could see being excited about, you know. It's one of those situations which I can't describe for you because it's impossible to. You're probably thinking, what? Or rather, you're not, because everyone left. But for those of you who actually are there, if I said, this is a game about how bleak... Uh, let's let's remove that. This is a game about how hopeless and how pathetic you are when you're first embraced in Vampire the Masquerade. And a game about how much of a powerless pawn you are throughout the course of dealing with, you know, the, the vampire politics. That probably sounds awesome, right? It's like, yeah, cool, I'm with that. And that's the problem. I can't describe it to you because the only way for you to understand is to play the game yourself. The idea is sound. The execution is not. That's the problem. It's one of those reasons why uh, the term idea man got a bad rap back in the 90s. I don't know if it still has a bad rap. Because the idea man comes up with the idea. And the idea is good. Executing the idea, much more difficult. And actually executing, uh, executing the idea properly, even more difficult. Same problem. This is a game where, if I described it to you, it would sound good. <laughs> and it's understandable why. Like I said, there's the bones of good ideas here. And the idea is sound. The problem is, first of all, the writing has issues at multiple points. Now, I've been told by people who have played more visual novels than I, that this is kind of a problem endemic to visual novels. The idea of empty text, for example, large tracts of dialogue which don't actually say anything, or unnecessary spacing in particular uh, structure of scenes, for example. There are certain scenes that happen, and I swear they were out of order, but no, they're just there being done as as is for whatever reason. And that's effectively it not something that would impress me. So the, the narrative construction, the, the structure of scenes is off, and the actual specific dialogue is off. But for the most part, that's relatively minor. It's the fact that it fails to capitalize that really drags it down. The intro is actively disinteresting. And even though the term trauma conga line kind of describes it, once again, you'd be thinking, well, what's bad with a trauma conga line? And that's because you didn't play the game and see the specifics. Or maybe you did and you disagree with me, which is, of course, valid. Uh, I noticed that most people probably disagree with me on this. This game got mostly positive reviews on Steam and a fairly high Metacritic store score and apparently won an award uh, for video game design in Europe. So I'm probably the weirdo here. So I don't know what else to add to that. 
believe it or not, I don't have much else to say, narratively speaking. This is going to be a really short rumination, by the way. You know, there's there's no... There's nothing to add. It, hey, you're a pawn. Run around and do stuff for other people. Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines did that, too, and substantially better, I might add. But the last thing I wanted to mention is the game failed to capitalize on the atmosphere of what VTM should be, my opinion. It, it obviously focused on that whole you're a pawn shtick. That's fine. That's whatever. But instead, instead of like really doing anything with that, it was just like, okay, so go do this quest and go do this test and go do this quest. And it served as a vehicle for other things that were either more interesting or substantially less interesting. Now, the more interesting parts were the good parts. Like I said, there's several characters. And doing the character quest lines, for lack of a better way to put it, is overall easily the best part of this game. The rest of it, not so much. But you notice I haven't talked about the gameplay. Wait a minute, lore. There's no gameplay in a visual novel. Yes, there is. There's plenty of gameplay in a visual novel. It's just in things that most people don't tend to think about. The nature of how the interface is constructed. The nature of how information is presented to the player. The nature of the actual branches. What I mean by that is, let's say we have a story. And let's say it has all these branching points that lead to like these five different endings. That is gameplay. The choices themselves, how the choices are structured, what the choices lead to, that's gameplay. That's how you play the game. Never mind the stuff that's on the screen. Never mind the way the information is being portrayed. There's also other things like the visual presentation or music design or sound design or shortcuts or hotkeys or, I don't know, save systems or rewind features. But let's talk about that save system thing. <laughs> so this game doesn't have much in the way of interface design. It has a dictionary, which gives you some bare-bones information about the, about the setting if you're not familiar with it. Okay, that's fine. I'm with that. Um, you have your choices, which are labeled by icons. Pretty basic, but that's decent. But the branching themselves doesn't... There's, there's not really branching, put simply. And there's not really much in the way of choice, so that detracts from one of the major points of a visual novel. How many endings are there in this game? Two. One you get about 20 minutes in, which we got, and one if you play the game otherwise. The only actual choice is which quests you do. Now, this had the beginnings of a good mechanic and failed miserably to capitalize on it, which sounds familiar. Every night you have two time slots. You know, you get two actions. Think of it like a board game, right? You can do this and then this. Now, each of those quests you get with those people, you can pick to do one of their quests or you can pick to advance one of their quests. And there's also side, a couple of side quests like with Frank, poor Frank, or like with... Um, Adelaide, I forget how to pronounce her name, and I don't care that much. They don't, there's no voice acting, of course. So you can do those little things, or you can advance the, the main character plots. And some of those time slots are eaten up by main mandatory plots. And that's the structure of that. Again, a cool concept, but they don't do anything with it, especially since you only get uh, a grand total... I don't know the number. <laughs> it's something like 30 time slots total. Some of those are eaten up by primary objectives, primary actions. So because of that, there's certain stuff that you effectively can't do. And by that, I mean a lot of it. If you do what, say, we did and try to meet as many people as possible, you'll only be able to finish one character's plot line and not even, and barely start a second one. So that was fun. But I want to touch on that save thing again. Now, I got some flack for this opinion back with Detroit Become Human, which is funny because I stand behind my opinion of that 100%. But the fact is, 
in order to go through these kind of games, usually there's save slots, usually multiple save slots, and usually you can save immediately. There's often a quick save feature to just smash it down in the middle of dialogue. Okay, cool. There's no saving here, really. What I mean by that is, what there is is a pause the game button. Anybody who's familiar with, for example, the Final Fantasies in the GBA era are familiar with this concept. It, they called it quick save, but that's actually not what we mean when we say quick save. When we could say quick save, we mean F5, right? A one-button save, and it's the one slot. In better games, it's multiple slots. And it just immediately saves with one button push without having to specifically hit escape and then save and then pick that. That's a hard save. That's the distinction, right? No, what it was was you would make a temporary save and it would close the game. It's a save and exit. And as soon as you load it up, you're back in, and that save is effectively gone. That is what this game pulls. <laughs> it's effectively forced Iron Man mode in a visual novel game. How bad is this? Well, when you complete the game at any point, the game erases your save. As I discovered. Now, yes, you can go in and manually cop make a copy of your save in order to back it up and therefore actually have a save, but really? Now, that makes sense, though. There's no branching narrative, so there's no need for that. But that brings me to another point. So, no branching narrative, no multiple endings, limited time scope to kind of enforce replayability, and no ability to save to try out other options. Is, is this a visual novel at all? I would argue that at this point, we can't even quantify this as such. Instead, what this is, it still sits under the text genre of video game design. That's fine. But this is just a... I don't know what to call it. I don't want to sound too harsh, either. It feels very, very much like this is someone's first attempt at making a game. And I do mean that both kindly and unkindly. As I said, there is some showing potential, a concept I've talked about several times recently, especially when it comes to the jank block. But on the other hand, even though it shows potential, it sucks. No pun intended. The, the game design is practically non-existent, and the narrative design is severely lacking, especially when you get to that ending, or lack thereof. <sighs> I could try to dissect that ending again. I probably should, I suppose. I don't think I'm going to do a good job of it, because I did it on stream. An ending has to engage, right? It has to engage mentally, it has to engage emotionally, or it has to engage in some way that serves another, more tertiary purpose, usually external, such as a cliffhanger ending or a dun-dun-dun. You know, horror movies saying, oh my god, the monster was alive the whole time, is is the third option, like I just mentioned. Or, like, say, a movie that ends with a cliffhanger that leads into a new movie would also be the third option. But most endings, that's kind of off the table. Most endings want to engage you emotionally or engage you intellectually, okay? This game ending does not engage intellectually because there's nothing there to think upon. It's not like, oh my gosh, it was him! Because there's there's no power to the reveal. It's not, aha, all those signs meant this was happening. Because there are no signs. There's no foreshadowing. Remember, you're a pawn. You're a nobody, so you don't know Jack. There's no engagement in what happens with the major characters like Sophie or uh, I can't think of it, Torque. Because their decisions actively make no sense for how they've been portrayed to this point, and, and also with regards to external knowledge we have about the setting in general. The final monologue isn't even what I would call particularly well-written. 
And it's just this big speech about how he's above it all and blah, blah, blah. Oh, and then it ends very abruptly in a way that was probably intended to be similar to a cliffhanger ending, but again, fails in its execution. So there's no intellectual engagement. How about emotional engagement? Let's talk about that one for a second. Now, there's a lot of ways to emotionally engage your audience. And some people are simply not going to be emotionally engaged no matter what you do, because we all process differently, right? That's right. This felt like it was going for a gut punch. Now, I defined this on stream, but forgive me for those of you who watched the stream. There is a distinction between a gut punch and a groin punch. You're probably thinking, geez, Lore, but hear me out. A good gut punch, no spoilers for other franchises, but I'm sure you can think of a good gut punch right now off the top of your head. It's when something emotionally just made you go, oh, and just smashes you right there in the sternum. And it's like, oh, my God. And it hits you, right? That's a good thing. A groin punch is when it just hits you and you're just like, oh, and it's uncomfortable and painful and sharp and it's just terrible. It is the exact same concept as the difference between a character you hate versus a character you want to get off your screen. The former is enjoyable, the latter is not. It feels like the game was going for a gut punch. What it instead succeeded at was a groin punch. I mentioned the trauma conga line earlier, and the fact that the finale was pretty much just the game spitting on you nonstop and constantly. By the way, I should probably mention that the mere fact that you go along with all this for so long is by itself something that's nonsensical, but let's not get into that. So at an emotional level, the game tries to engage you by hurting you but it hits too hard and too sharply, doesn't know how to pull its punch, and doesn't know how to hit you in a place where you actually care about it. There's no investment in most of the characters involved. In fact, the overwhelming majority of characters in the finale are people we barely know. Torque we just met, effectively two scenes prior. We have had the bare bones of interactions with the Baron, and the only thing we've had with uh, Callahan is him actually threatening us. The only interaction we've had with uh, Arthur or whatever, I don't even remember his name, Glasses Guy, is the fact that we had the chance to optionally talk with him earlier in the game briefly. The only character present that has any emotional investment for us is Sophie, who, I remind you, has been acting out of character for the last several minutes. That's it. So, what's the impact? And again, it falls flat. And we get mind-slaved and the end. I bring this point up so strongly because, as I've talked about many, many times, intros and outros are the most important parts of fiction. Oh, the middle part matters, don't mistake me, but the most important part is the intro, how you get the person involved, and the outro, what they're going to leave thinking about most. This applies to books, to television, to movies, to theater, to songs, to games. The intro of this game fumbled, and the outro was terrible. And that leaves me looking at the score I gave this game and standing by it quite firmly. Sorry about that. <laughs> Get interrupted right at the finish line. Because I only have one last thing to share. Talking about emotional investment. Um, emotional gut punch, right? You know, I mentioned how we don't have any investment in any of the characters, with the exception of Sophie. And even Sophie's just kind of whatever. But what, what they could have done is they could have had characters there that we are emotionally invested in, like... I don't know, just random example, but maybe all of the Coterie members that we, that we encountered throughout the course of the game. You know, the, the characters the game is named for. We could have had them be present 
and thus had something happen to or regarding them. And then we would give a damn and there would be an emotional impact because of that. But instead, they have what I can only describe as a brief cameo in helping to save us from the Second Inquisition. And then they're gone. And that's the end of that. Also, it who it picks seems to be random. I was pushing uh, Agathon and uh, Hope. I was pushing Agathon and Hope. And instead, I got Agathon, and I can't even remember her name, the Gangrel Girl. What? <laughs> but I wanted to mention that, because that's just the final way in which it kind of screwed up and fell apart, right? In a game literally called Coteries of New York, where the primary gameplay loop, and indeed the best part of the game, is going and doing the character stories to build your Coterie, you, um, you failed to include them in your ending. Uh, what can I say? I do hope you've enjoyed my thoughts, such as they are. See you next time.